0: Welcome to We Shadows, the podcast about the design and technical part of theater. I'm your announcer, Anita Kelling. In this episode, our very own Lieza Barons had the opportunity to chat with prop designer and 2021 McKnight Theater Artist Fellow, Abby Warmbo. This conversation took place on December 7th, 2020.
1: want to thank you Abby for joining us. This is today I'm talking with Abby Wormbo who is a freelance prop designer um any other titles that you currently go by? That's that's
2: pretty much it. Prop master, prop designer, you know it, it all blurs together.
1: Prop queen. I don't know what you want to be. Um well, what I would like to know is like uh what what kind of drew you to props or how did you end up becoming a props designer?
2: Um, I really started getting interested in the technical side of theater in high school. Um, they would have you audition for plays in front of like the 200 people auditioning. And I'm like, Nope, I suddenly found my shell and I'm going to just crawl inside. Um, But like the magical version is like, "Oh, there's a door cracked open in the back of the theater. What's in that room?" "Oh, it's the scene shop." Um, and then like the rest is history from there. Uh, but I was lucky in high school that there weren't very many students interested in theater or in technical theater. So I got a lot of like really one-on-one training from the technical director and she was this awesome woman who just was like, I'm like, "Oh, you can use all the tools even though like the wood shop guy down the hall is like, careful careful she's like you you can learn how to do this and it'll be great um and then I just like honestly I was like I don't know what else I would want to do this is creating and um you know you in theory can make a living doing it and I'm sure my parents like probably remember a different aha story about why I decided to do theater but like I don't that's my my memory of like I don't know what else to do and oh here this school you can go here and learn this and um but I went to school for scenic painting and scenic design and then when I graduated um I didn't really have a plan and I know a lot of people had said like oh there's a really big need for props designers and props artisans um you should try that so I went to an opera Summerstock opera and like just, like was able to dive right in with some other individuals and coming back to the twin cities they're like no there there still is like a need for for props people uh so i bugged enough people and i it just like haven't really looked back at the
1: other training i had so yeah do you use some of that training though as a oh. prop designer like, yeah
2: i mean yeah. i think i i think there's something i really like set dressing. And I think part of that comes from that, the set designer mind and um, yeah. loving all those small details and completing the looks of things. Um, I think also, I mean, right, props people have to have so many different skills. So I think a lot of the carpentry um, and painting skills that I had like collected up until my props career. I mean, there's, they obviously, I use those every, every show. So yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense. Um, can you explain, cause some of our, hopefully some of our audience people maybe don't know what a props person does. What, uh, can you explain in like layman's terms, what a props designer is? I guess the, <laughs> everyone uh, is still trying to answer that question. Um, I know. What is your version of a props designer? I guess it's the real answer or question.
2: I guess like the <laughs> simplest form of it is, um props people are responsible for sourcing and obtaining all of the props and dressing for a production. Um, so anything that people touch and move around stage that, uh, isn't, you know, nailed down or they're not wearing. Uh, and I mean, I think you could go into more, like I would maybe add, I'm charged with completing the overall vision that the scenic designer and the director and the playwright, um, all of uh, making the producers happy by saving money and budget and timelines and
1: um, <laughs> you know
2: that yeah, too. You know, it
1: it adds like there's many layers once you get past the like initial thing. The um, stuff, yeah, yeah, which which makes sense. Um, there, uh, you're actually from the Twin Cities area, but was there ever any reason that you like decided or? Wanted to keep Minnesota and the Twin Cities as your artistic home, or was there any reason that you were like, "There's no way I want to go anywhere else"? I don't know.
2: I I, I always threatened to leave. I was like, "Mom, see you when I'm eighteen. I'm gone. I'm going to go somewhere warm." And and I went to Saint Olaf College, which is in Northfield, Minnesota. So I did not make it very. I mean, like 45 minutes away from my house I grew up in. um <laughs> And I think just having grown up in Minnesota and seen all the theater, I was lucky enough to. Um, see a bunch of different productions at different places as a child. And so I knew it was, there was just being wowed by it. And someday I could be a part of that. Yeah. Um And then in college, having um professors connected to the Twin Cities. Uh, so I think it was just realizing like, oh, there is actually a lot of theater here. And, you know, I have this safety net of my parents being nearby if i start to get stressed or you know just need more than a phone call i'm like please make me super you know um <laughs> so yeah. i think i i had thoughts of of leaving but i never actually took the step <laughs> to do never, so and now you know now, now i feel very settled here and i like it here and my husband's like "Ooh, you wanna you wanna leave minnesota it's like no <laughs> not
1: really so, i'd rather stay Yeah. <laughs> um. So you did say that when you um, came back from the summer stack that you kind of like people kept saying there's props people. Is there any way that you like built that network of people or like how did you kind of like break in, I guess is the like
2: thought. I think I I honestly feel like I just bugged enough people enough times. Um, <laughs> I sent a lot of emails with like my sad, pathetic resume from like, I mean, thankfully, that summer sock thing, I mean, there was, like, three big shows plus six little shows. I mean, so I was able to, like, look at all the props I did all at one mm-hmm. place in one summer. Um, but I, even when people weren't asking, because I know a lot of young people say to me, well, no one's asking for, for you know, resumes. I'm like, just send I mean, yes, they may just get filed. Maybe that's the most annoying thing of production manager. i like, stop telling people to send them. Um, but I feel like I just bugged people enough that, you know, so then if I bugged him again, like, oh, this girl bugged us <laughs> two months ago. Um, and I' should actually and, look at her sheet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think also, again, with the carpentry, I was able to do a lot of overhire carpentry, which mm-hmm. let um, people know, know my name again coming through. Um, so it wasn't just like, oh, a props person. I think that person had said over and over again that she also does this. Um, yeah. Maybe we should contact her. <laughs> I feel like so I just it, bug people.
1: Yeah. So it's it's helpful though to have like the other sets of skills um for you to be able to be like, I got my foot in the door and now I can talk to them more. Is that kind of
2: I think so. And I know I know people have different opinions about that because you don't want to get trapped into I'm just a carpenter, no one's ever gonna think of me as a prop mm-hmm. designer, a set designer, you know, whatever it is and um but I think also it mean, this is also a problem in the town is people get nervous about hiring someone maybe they've never heard or don't know the name. So I do think that name recognition is helpful. Yeah. And you know, the more you, I feel like the more to very quick, cause there weren't very many props designers, the more I was able to work. I got to work with other set designers who got to know me and would then request, you know, it's so much of it is word of mouth. Once you bug people enough to get in the door.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you kind of be like, Hey, Check me out! I'm good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, are there are there things that you're still? I mean, I know that you want to be working constantly. We all do. Um, but are there any things that you're like? I've always wanted to be able to do this specific thing or work at a theater, or is it kind of just like as long as you keep working and get to keep making awesome things? Is that? Kind of I have weird. two
2: I, I mean right I, it depends on like right when I do some really bad freelance show I'm like I'm never want to freelance again I want to just be you know I, I feel like it depends on what what is my most recent <laughs> agony but I think like I love freelancing I love being able to work with a lot of different companies um and doing a lot of different kinds of theater um the dream would right to be able to do that in a way where you're not letting it take over your life to make a living, which is I think currently how a lot of people feel is that you can't be a freelancer without it consuming your life or without always just trying to live paycheck by paycheck. Um, I feel like I have a really nice thing going now where there's a lot of theaters that I do their whole season, but I am a freelancer. So um, in some ways I'm not committed to them the way if I were their full-time props person and Mm -hmm. wouldn't have the option to go elsewhere. Um, so I feel like I do have some of that stability of of a full time job without being tied down by it. But then yeah. I also, right, don't have some of the benefits of it being a full time job. But I'm there all year, so I don't. I yeah. I, I love freelancing. I don't think I would want to stop unless. It, I mean, I say that have now feet. after right. I not worked for a while, so I'm like I could freelance again. You know, nine <laughs> months ago at the end of opening too many shows, I probably would have. Said something differently. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, there's every every time you work on, like, far too many shows in a row. You're like, never again. I'm never doing that again. And then two months later, you work on 17 shows again. And you're like, what did I do? I didn't tell myself this. never this. again. Yeah, But but we love doing that. Um, is, uh, have you noticed or thought that, like, um, there's been anything different? I don't know if in props it's weird. Or not weird. Um it's all it's, weird. Yo, that is true. Everything's weird. Um but like are there does there tend to be a lot of women in props design or is that kind of a weird niche?
2: I think here in the Twin Cities I definitely see more female props designers um and I'm not I mean it's awesome. I don't know why that is. I know <laughs> like nationally right you see you do see more females but I think it is more there's also a lot of men who are um involved but yeah so and i'm not and again i'm not quite sure what it is if it's i mean a lot of people i think have that idea like you're shopping and you're crafting and you know it's arts and crafts and that's female thing you know <laughs> but i don't but again you know i don't think
1: i don't think that that's what it is um but yeah it just yeah. happens to happen that way sometimes where there's just and maybe we just have a large pool of them i don't know yeah i haven't looked at numbers to see if it's super large somewhere else or not so Um, are there things about your, um, like experience as a props designer that you think are really different than other people's or do you think it's fairly similar how a lot of people become prop designers? Um, I think
2: most of the props designers I know I feel like never, like, right, they didn't go to school to be props designers. They never intended it was maybe on a path to something else, whether, like for me it was set design, um, and then I just kind of found my way into props and I don't actually I mean again, the props designers I know I feel like that's a lot of how it happened is they were on their way to do something else and oh people needed a props person and they either whether they wanted to or not, they stayed as a props yeah um person. Um I do think that um in Minnesota it, in in the past at least decade of my career it's been interesting of I, I do consider myself like a full-time freelancer if that's a real thing but you know I make all of my income (laughs) freelancing and just as a props person where I know a lot of people maybe are stage managers and doing props or they're doing other things as well as props so it's not maybe their focus or that's not where they're getting a hundred percent of their income from yeah um which I think has I don't know if it's helped my career but I I mean I think so I've been able to do I think my resume built faster just because that was all I was doing and in in some ways you can juggle a lot of shows you know because do it on your own time until you have to come in this week so you work a lot by yourself so it's all your own schedule
1: yeah it's all we make it ourselves but then it's tricky because then there's no I'm done now Uh, I can go home and just not work on this I suppose. I, I do know that normally that's the conversation. Anytime someone's looking for a weird prop, they're like, "Call Abby. She might. She probably knows where it is." Like, <laughs> she, because you do work at so many locations, it's a lot easier to say, "Have you seen this? Does any of the theaters in town have that?" Um, is that do you uh, do you like when you get those kind of calls from people, even if they're like? I know a lot of times they're probably people you know but do you get them from people that you don't know that are maybe propping somewhere else is that nice do you enjoy it do you hate when people call you to ask for help I don't know I do I like
2: um I do like it because I think um I do appreciate uh that people feel like they can reach out I know in the beginning of my career I I often felt really alone and mm-hmm. did I I had no idea who to ask um for weird things, or people say, contact this person, and I would, I'd be like, they don't know, We're like, hello, I'm Abby Wormbo, you have no idea who I am, will you help me with this? <laughs> and you know, you hear nothing back, and you're like, I don't want to poke them again, and, and you know, yeah. now I'm realizing, oh, email, it just, I mean, it, it just one. you know what I mean, email is hard to keep track of when you're busy, um, yeah. so I know that I have talked to a lot of young people who have even just said, like, maybe props, I'm like, here's my info, please contact me, um, because I just remember feeling really frustrated about things that like someone's done this before someone um knows where this is or yeah. even I think of you know it's like quote-unquote stupid questions where it's like how do you handle rehearsal props and it's a really good question for someone who's never done props before or worked in a professional setting because no one every theater does it differently I can say yeah. here's what I do and you can propose this to your team um but you at least know that you're proposing something that isn't so out there and For such a simple question, it is weird that a lot of theaters don't actually talk to their props people about what they're supposed to do with it. And I think there's a
1: lot of things in my field that, uh, I've had that that experience myself when I've had to do, it was like, wait, you need me to get rehearsal props. I have never had to do that, but I also don't normally work. I only every once in a while do my own props. Very rarely as my set design, I'm usually someone else's doing it, but every once in a while sneaks up and they're like, can you just do this too? And he's like, uh, no, maybe, uh, what is it that you need? <laughs> right. Tell me more before I commit. Let's, let's talk about that. What do you normally do with rehearsal props in general? Are the, is, I mean, I know that most theaters, a lot of theaters are different, but is there anything that advice or options that you would give people? Well, um, I, for me personally, how I do rehearsal
2: props and, and I think a lot of this is cause it helps, it helps me out. Um, I do try to give a close example of what the item could be. Um, I mean, again, thinking that you have talked to the set designer and the director and everyone has their you know ducks in a row um, so you can <laughs> give realistic first props. Um, yeah. Just because I think it's an easier way to, to, go right, if you give someone a plastic Dixie cup, you're going to get all sorts of feedback or no feedback that has nothing to do with the mug they may be getting later. But yeah. the reality is that I'm able to do that because I have a really scary basement filled with stuff. So I I personally can pull rehearsal props um without, you know, without using budget because that's the biggest question I get is, are you supposed to use your budget for rehearsal props? And if a theater doesn't have stock to pull from, then the answer is yes or, you know, is it that you are just going to go buy Dixie cups because that's the cups and, you know, the props are just so they have something in their hand yeah. um versus any kind of real realistic um stand in. Um, And again, I think this is different depending on what your budget is, what theater you're working at. Um, But I like to try to give something just because it helps get the correct feedback quicker. So it will make my life easier in the long run.
1: Then you actually find the right thing later that they need instead of they're saying, well, the, the plastic cup won't stay on the table. Well, yeah, it's a plastic cup. <laughs> tell me what you want the real cup to be. I'll get it for you. Yeah. What do you want the cup to be? Then I can help you find the right cup. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Um, um, are there things that you would tell someone who wants, like, so if there was someone who, like, straight out of, say, high school or college is like, I really, really want to be a props designer? Um, what things would you tell them to like either focus on or people to contact like
2: i mean this would really do i mean i'd ask a few more questions before i gave them any trying to give them advice but i think in general um you would i i would want to like in a in a real situation not pandemic world or even post-pandemic when i'm sure any extra person would not be welcomed on when your numbers are trying to be low but I mean I would I and I've thrown this out I was just teaching at the U so I threw it out to all those students like I would love for you to shadow me on a show with your capacity I think seeing um uh how a, a theater works and goes right through that first meeting um to the show opening is really helpful and I think a lot of um students whether high school or sometimes even college students don't fully understand what what that is what that trajectory is um and I think versus saying like just start bugging like I was like just start bugging everybody um Mm -hmm. you maybe would be setting yourself up for a really stressful situation I mean unless they had in other capacities been working um in theater but I think um when I feel like they have right if they really do want to jump in there are so many theaters in town and I think um just an introduction. And, you know, I try to give them a list of all the quest- questions to ask that are often forgotten, right? Again, rehearsal props. What yeah. What is expected out of tech? I, I know a lot of university settings don't have students, prop students come into tech. So they're blindsided Um, yeah. <laughs> when they're like, no one said anything about tech and I can't go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's like, oh, Whole contract issue there too, but uh, yeah,
1: that should be written down somewhere.
2: But. Yeah, it's like oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to know the questions to ask, but I just try to give enough information to set them up for success. And I, I I have had um a few conversations with some theaters that have I have heard were really a struggle and talking to them and and saying like they weren't set up for success. Like you you maybe don't have to tell me coming in you know, X, Y, and Z, but it wouldn't hurt to just say, say it to someone you've never worked with. Or even, I mean, I go into places and say, here's how I normally do things. And they're like, we don't like that. No, you can't do it that way. And I think just knowing to set up that relationship um, from the beginning will make everyone's life easier.
1: Yeah. And it's good to have those questions handled in those things when we're not all stressed. Because when it comes the week of tech and you are busy because, you know, you're working three jobs or just even another job, like maybe you're building a show for a different theater and whatever. And so you can't be at tech. Uh, it, it definitely, you're stressed at that time. And that's like the worst time to have those conversations. Makes sense. Like, it's better to have it months in advance. <laughs>
2: right. Before the issue gets really out of hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I I do want to ask you just a little bit about a thing that's not directly related to theater. Um so recently we, with um George George Floyd's killing and with the riots in Minnesota, you and a bunch of other theater people um started boarding up buildings. Can you tell us a little bit about like how that got started and what why you chose a bunch of theater people <laughs> to work on it? <laughs> I can't remember back that far. That I know, one. it feels Whole like forever thing. ago. I know for sure. <laughs> I mean, it all—I
2: mean, simply, it all started with a, a theater friend, right? Posting on Facebook, does anyone have any plywood? I would like to board up this building that um was damaged. The windows were damaged. Um, and then it, you know, like all things do, just kind of got um really big. There was lots of this person was getting. All the asks, uh, all the people who are trying to help and supply plywood and people who needed to be boarded up, and I know then, um, the uh, I don't I don't know if I should say names, but then so then, um, uh, myself can, and can another say names if
1: you want, if they're unless they don't want to say names, I don't know, it's up to you.
2: Uh, another individual and myself then saw like, oh, you are getting overwhelmed, um, and you know, right like mm-hmm. theater people do for better or worse, you then step in to try to alleviate, um. Uh, someone else's stress and it formed into this kind of crazy um, thing after I think the second day we had like a, uh, what well, we we called them production meetings cause we're theater people uh, production <laughs> meetings at the end of each day. We're like, what went well, what did, okay. We need to get a fourth person on board to be in charge of all of the Facebook communication happening as, you know, you're kind of managing the incoming things you're managing the outgoing people. I'm managing um, the money and the materials. Like, so it, quickly in these meetings we are like you know we were able to quickly alter our our tactic for the never the ever-changing you know situations um yeah. and i think we i mean right of course we we know a lot of theater people so that's who we could call upon for help and i'm not saying that it was necessarily you needed all the the skills that we all have but um we a lot of us weren't working um yeah. Right? People had trucks to haul things. People had power tools. Um and I think a lot of people were able to lead teams because they, they have, you know, done that in a situation before. Um mm-hmm. so I think our skills, even though they weren't directly theater related, they all, you know, I deal a lot with money and materials and getting people things quickly <laughs> when they need to. And how are they yeah. getting them there?
1: So it was able to quickly, you know, fill into that role. So So a lot of your theater experience translates into real life experience in one way or another. It does. Um, It doesn't. (laughs) It's not only so niche that we could only do theater things. Like, that makes total sense because, like, yeah, it's hard to, hard to explain what we do sometimes, but it is basically management of people and materials and things, more or less.
2: (laughs) It is. We, We did get some funny comments of, like, we see like you know a props person is managing your money. I'm a an accountant and you know these all the, all these people trying I mean try so nicely trying to help and, you know because they don't know what a props designer does or that, you know, anything yeah. with money and material anyway. So people reaching out to to help save us. I'm like I have these skills. I'm okay. I feel okay. Yeah. <laughs> Other parts of the operation no, but I, I feel good and confident in what I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah. Um speaking of managing money, uh is that one of those questions that you have early on conversation wise with theaters is like how are props being paid for? Um, and what ways, what ways have you found that work or don't work in that realm of paying for props? Yes. Um, every, like
2: I, I, again, I, I think I have found myself now currently in a pretty good place where um, there's not much of a fight with trying to get a cash advance of the budget I know early on, um, it was always like asking, like, could I have, you know, the, let's say, you know, it's a $500 budget and you want, you want the $500. And sometimes there'd be right, a fight, like, well, we can give you a hundred of it. Once you spend it, give it, you know, like, like more of that trade off. And you're like, things have to happen fast and things are returned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there was, I think, uh, I don't know if it's a trust or if it just didn't seem right to, you know, they're like, it's just $500. And you're like, I don't have an extra $500 yeah. and if you don't reimburse me in a timely, you know, situation, um you should never, right, have to put your own finances and credit at stake. But now I think that um I have found a good place where I'm nor I ask for it up front. I mm-hmm. I should be better about not, you know, like purchasing a single thing until I get that money, but right, it's that fine line of like how far do you put yourself behind and when well, you know again, a lot of these theaters are theaters I work with a lot, so I know like Great, mm-hmm. I had to poke you, but I know you're gonna give me my check. Um, and I, I know a lot of people would have other other feelings yeah. about purchasing things before you get that money. But and that's one of the things I tell a lot of younger um people who some of them right don't have huge credit lines on their credit card or they, you know, they don't know to watch like when are you getting reimbursed? Like that's something I always yeah. look for, you know, when are receipts due and when how long will it take to get the money? Um because you, you just shouldn't you shouldn't have to have to you know it's again a privilege to be able to do that and that shouldn't be a barrier for why someone can do props or not do you have the budget at hand to do the yeah. show um and I think more I, I want to say I think more producers understand that that what what they're asking and when you lay it out like great it's only five hundred dollars but I'm working on six shows that have budgets between five hundred and three thousand dollars like yeah. That's a lot of money that I wish I had to <laughs> If I had you. all that
1: money, I would totally do it. But I huh. don't. And yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and I do suppose that that does make becoming a props designer kind of gatekeepy. And maybe why when you started, there was such a huge need for props designers. Because so often theaters were saying, well, just buy all the stuff and then we'll reimburse you. And it's like, well, I can't afford to do that. So I'm going to go work in a different part of theater. That gives me a credit card to buy the thing, or lets the whoever in the office purchase everything. So, yeah, I know as a set designer, that's kind of how I work. It's like, well, if you're not giving me a card, then you're going to have to deal with all the buying of all the stuff because
2: right. I'm going to send you a I bunch don't. of links. Please actually purchase
1: this promptly yeah. because they want it. Yeah. Yep because they need this stuff but that's a, another then you're making more than one person work on a project and that's never as much fun and never <laughs> helpful uh yeah um yeah that totally makes sense um what things have kind of changed for you um as a props designer has has the actual practice of props designing changed or has it more been the um just like the steady amount of work but like has has a lot of things changed from when you first started doing it to now? It's hard to know what's
2: cha- if it's the the different theaters I work for now than I did ten years ago. If if that, you know, it's the just theaters are like if I went back to those theaters, would the things be the same or has it all changed, you know, as an mm-hmm. industry? Um, I know personally I think my own practices um and setting boundaries has definitely gotten a lot better yeah. <laughs> uh, in the past decade of my career um (laughs) I think some of it is right when like right when you're young you're afraid of saying no and of, of not you know completing everyone's wishes no matter how crazy they are um and now I'm like that's I need more money if that's gonna happen or we need more time or you I can't do that um I think you know I wish I'm really bad at making things like light up that isn't like gutting the toy that does the thing and sticking it in the prop and I know I have so many friends that have offered to like train me and I get the I get I get soldering I get you know I get it I just am like I don't know where to buy the light bulb like you know stuff like that and I I've gotten better just being like can I hire can someone else great there are all these practicals can someone else help I can gut this and put this in the thing or we can get someone to wire it. Um, So I think just knowing like you can't know everything anymore. I no longer weld. I used to weld, but I would not want to weld a structure anyone was standing on. And I think um, knowing that, so great, we can do this. Let's find out how we can get this table. But I, I haven't welded in like seven years. You don't want me to weld the thing. Um, So I think just knowing. Yeah. Right. You can't, cause you can't know it all. You can't. Mm -hmm. um, And one of the problems, right. With being a freelancer is, you know, a theater is not necessarily going to invest their time and money. And, you know, there's some companies that are like, well, Abby won't do that because it, it needs to be wired. And I'm like, you learned, yes. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, if a company were to pay for me to get those skills too, it'd be different. But as a freelancer, that's normally not yeah. an option. Um, And I think hopefully, right, a lot of things in theater are working to change to like, um, Help, So you don't necessarily have to be, uh, no, my words are, my words are gone. Um,
1: (laughs) You don't need to be a jack of all trades. Right. Or you don't even, you don't have
2: to advocate for simple things for yourself anymore. You don't have to, you know, say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting married. So I can't, you know, I would miss the first week of tech and I'm, oh, well, could you? It's like, no, I'm, I am getting married. I'm not going to, you know, there's stuff like that, that I, I would hope it would write things, you know, my kid has a thing, my, all the life things that you're supposed to set aside for work. And essentially I, I feel as a prop person, I'm often on call 24 seven um, yeah. for the entire run of a show. If something goes wrong um, and I'm trying to not as much run to a theater at three in the morning <laughs> to fix a thing, because, but that's like the only time I can do it. So, um, so I think a lot of these things are, are hopefully going. Th- those expectations will change so that, you know, you won't feel like you have to to save yeah. your job and your place in the industry. You have to run there at three in the morning. You can say, I was not available in the 10 hours of waking time to do this thing. How can we figure it out for today and yeah. go? Who
1: who can we get in there to do it or whatever? Um, I suppose having those that same kind of conversation early on in the process so that it's not in the, we only have these 10 hours and now I have to find somebody else to fix the thing. If you can kind of have that conversation early on saying, hey, I may not always be available. So who do we call if I can't get in there to fix the thing or whatever? That kind of thing makes sense. Yeah, Um, for sure. Always tricky fixing props. And I suppose every theater has different rules or not rules, non-rules, practices, I guess, of how they handle that. Mm hmm. Yeah.
2: And I think, too, well, and I I know, like, at some, I am annoying with backup things of things that will probably break, and I know some things never break, and then I'm like, sorry, I got you the backup, but it's, right, trying, it's that thing of, I use a little more budget to try to avoid coming in at 3 a.m. or us, you know, having to last-minute fix a thing that, you know, has a high chance of, glassware, for instance, right, has a high chance of breaking, but, um trying to get them to understand that like right the trade-off is do you not get the glass so you have to use whatever glass is in the green room or you know um just because and I know the occasions where it has happened where like you can't I'm like I have a thing the store doesn't open till this time so and I have an obligation between you know when the store opens and when the show opens like can someone run and get it can you know and who who is the person that runs and gets it and I mean there right because there is always gonna be a thing that happens that you cannot <laughs>
1: yeah you can't you can prepare. plan for some things, but you can't prepare for everything, yeah. yeah, so I think it's
2: just, yeah, there no there normally isn't a backup person who knows everything that can yeah
1: is there are there props that are more like your favorite kinds of props to do over other ones? Again, I love dressing.
2: I love a set that's covered in dressing. um, it's the most fun, but at the same time. It's, it's also the worst because often no one no one budgeted for you know the the dressing and you're like oh okay there's all this food and all this dressing and you know and just the hand props um so you know it's one of my favorite things but it's always that thing where I feel like there's just never enough budget <laughs> for it it's a, sometimes an afterthought after the set has been designed the set's beautiful it needs the dressing. No one saved budget for this, you know.
1: No one saved anything for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do
2: love it. It's just normally, people probably think I hate it because I'm normally there, you know, late, like, (laughs) yelling at the walls. I'm dressing, but. (laughs)
1: Um, That's another one. In in layman's terms, what do you usually consider set dressing? Like, what is that for someone who wouldn't know what that is? I know, again, it's one of those things that, like, everyone has their own... It can be everything and then it can be nothing at the same time, right? What does it tend to be?
2: I mean, I, I guess for someone, it would be decorations and furnishings that people don't actually touch but complete the look. So, it's if you, bookshelf. I know, I was like, so if you're looking at a lovely uh, backdrop, <laughs> I am Liaza's office here. It's, uh, you know, there's That's a okay. shelf. Maybe that shelf was a built-in shelf that the set did, and the windows are there um but any of the curtains i'm seeing the books on the shelves all the little details that tell us about the character um you Mm -hmm. know oh it's the holiday time there's a tree with some lights uh it's just all that fun added little i think that can be little easter egg things um yeah that have to do with the show um it can right you could have the same set and
1: then completely dress it differently and it would be a totally different feeling uh yeah yeah yeah, I would agree with uh I both love and hate set dressing because of the fact that a lot of times it's a uh, nobody left me a budget. Even when I'm the set designer and I have I give, you know, I don't build the set, so the TD builds it, but I was like, "You didn't leave me any money to buy curtains." I need curtains. I they were in my drawing. There were curtains there, and you have no curtains in your stock or whatever. Um I mean, sometimes it's fun to run through a prop room and put whatever's on the stage but sometimes nothing in a prop room works (laughs) right and I
2: feel with dressing right it's it can be like that quantity versus quality thing where you're mm -hmm. like do you want the wall walls to be covered and 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 maybe there are some things on there that you wouldn't have put on there if money was you know yeah was endless but you know and then or do you really want the shelf to be filled with specific books that have to do with you, even yeah. though most people won't see it up close. And that's the whole difference right Right now with Zoom stuff. I just had the conversation of, oh, some of this stuff matters more now because <laughs> the camera is
1: so yeah. much closer than the audience I ever will be. I never wanted to do film. Here we yeah, are. <laughs> that is the difference of like film the- film propping versus theater propping. Because in the film, the book is super close. In props, it's 30 feet away or 20. I think the closest usually I am is like, 10 or 15 feet in a super tiny theater. <laughs>
2: right, I know. And my vision's bad, so I'm like, I can't read any of those titles on your shelf right now. So, <laughs> even though I'm
1: close to them. I'm trying to, like, think if I can I can maybe read one or two of them on my bookshelf from the reverse camera screen, right. <laughs> but most of them I can't see. They are mostly theater books.
2: I know, it's that's scene. That I would want to put, like, theater and some art books on there, you know.
1: It's my office, so this makes sense. It's my theater office. That I'm sitting in if it was you know a different part of the house although I don't have a lot of non-theater books at this point <laughs> it's almost all theater um yeah are there are there things that you would have told young Abby about what craziness she was getting into that you would have been like hey you should do this differently or uh just go ahead and keep doing it this is gonna be great you're gonna love it it's awesome I mean, it probably isn't always awesome, but most of the time it is. So we do fun things. Um, You know, because I will, there's, it's something that
2: haunts me to this day of oh, always, no. and, and right in the hard scene of when I talk to younger, not necessarily my younger self, but younger people, you know, younger props people is I, I know I spent like the first five years of my career really, um. Letting work like take over, like to the point where it's like, I mean, it's it's a, I was like, all I ate was like, you know, Starbucks muffins and coffee and bags of carrots, and I would sleep for little hour spurts, or you know, like I I don't think I ever had more than four hours of sleep in a row for for years and like you know my husband now who thankfully he won me over by cooking um you know was like (laughs) how are you even alive right like how and I was like it's scary to like me right realistically think of like how many years did you take off your life by never Mm -hmm. sleeping and running off coffee and um but then to think like is that why I feel pretty good about my career now 10 years later was it because I I put in all those hours and did all those shows you know so it's so hard to you know, or would it be would I still be here now, just five years from now? Right, like would it have taken longer? Did I just expedite the process? But it, it's just scary to think that that young Abby felt like that's what she had to do to yeah. to make it. Um, I think about all the times um my family, Abby's prop crew would come and you know, because like I can't move a couch by myself, um, and there was nobody there to do it. I can't move a piano by myself, um. Mm. So, you know, again, if I had left Minnesota where my family wasn't, who would I have called on that would come in to do a 20 minute, right, to go and move this couch with me for 20 minutes and then, and then leave versus like a four hour call. What are you talking about? Who do, how do I pay you that?
1: Yeah, I um, can't pay you for four hours to move a piano. Right. But I can give you coffee. You know.
2: <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll help you sometime in the future. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's like, um. To say so I tell, you know, don't do it's not worth, you know, all the the gatherings I missed and the weddings I missed and all those things. Yeah. Um But it's hard to be like happy with where I am in my career now and not think that that's what it took.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe for you that's what it did take, but maybe for someone else it doesn't. So like that's I think the thing is like everyone needs to find what works for them. And so maybe young Abby needed that to tell her that, yeah, you really wanted to do this. And if And if she hadn't done that, she might have chosen something else to do.
2: Right. Left. One, I think too, that's the thing where one of the problems is that I think a lot of people do leave, right? They do choose that path. And they're Mm -hmm. like, well, there's no way, right? When you're getting paid so little and have to do 50 shows a year, um, you know, there's like, there's no way this is sustainable. Like I have to leave and go do something else. Um, And I just really wish that it wasn't wasn't like that, or people didn't feel like that's what it, you know, because even to have a part-time job to do theater, again, with trying to be on call all the time, it makes it hard to have any other kind of, um...
1: Any other kind of thing.
2: Yeah, so, yeah. commitments. So, again, or that's what, I, that is what young Abby felt. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if that's true or not, that's, you know, there may be people who I worked for then were like, that's why she was always so angry. She never slept, and it was all, it was a caffeine craze. <laughs> um... Oh, yeah. so you know or maybe horrified you know I think also just maybe people would be shocked that that's what I felt I had to do mm-hmm. um so maybe like what could you know I used to never tell you know, it you it's kind of a, it's a joke in my family but I never would tell too many people about it and I was like no I think I should because I think it's important that theater yeah. producers knew that's what I thought I had to do and again like it's maybe not you know is it you have to decide if it's worth it or not but I think there's also right the scare tactic of you're going to have to never go to a family event again and you'll never sleep. You'll never have money. Yeah. And I don't, I guess my, my story is true to that scare tactic, but it's just, I also don't like when students come and are like, well, I'll have to give up everything to do this. And that's not right. I'm like, it is not right.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not right. One, the part of that is is like being able to set those boundaries and, and us who have done that can maybe now, when we either talk to someone who's new to be like, no, you can set boundaries, or the big thing is like, you had your family nearby, but maybe for someone who doesn't, the benefit what they need to do is find that network of people that they can say, hey friend of mine, because I've I've done that, because I don't have any family that lives super close. So I've done the call someone up to say, I need to move a couch for this theater. Help me figure it out. Or I call that theater and I say, you want a couch? Help me find out how to move this couch. Otherwise we get no couch. Otherwise you'll get two lawn chairs. Those will fit in my car and I can carry them. Yeah. We'll give you two chairs with some fabric over it. Done.
2: Right. And I think too, that's, that's one of like encouraging people to like set their boundaries sooner and feel like they can. Um, But it can be really scary. Right. I was like a 22 year old who's trying to tell like this company. No. <laughs> And not and not worry that you won't you you are now the difficult person and you won't get hired again, um. Because unfortunately, sometimes I think it takes two people to say, um, to say the same thing for it to sink in, and then they won't call that first person again. I have a friend who also did props, and she would always say, um, she would get to benefit from from Abby being the first person to complain about something. So then, if she went back and said it, you know, it would then get changed for the second person. Um, but I never knew it got changed because they never called me again. But yeah. so, you know, just kind of like people trusted, you know, that they're not just complaints that they're, I guess they are complaints, but they're, you know, rational.
1: Things There's a reason are. to why they're complaining about that. Not just, uh, I don't like doing that. It's a, uh, no, this is, here's why. Um, I think some of that does help if you get that network of people, because then you being say 22 year old Abby, if you knew a props designer who had been, you know, two or three years ahead of you in experience. You can do that, like, I'm going to call you up and be like, is this crazy that they're asking me to do this? And can you help back me up <laughs> when I talk <laughs> to them about why this is crazy? Because um, I think a lot of times there's that that producer and people who don't know what we do. And so they just think, oh, you can do it. Just do it.
2: Right, and the problem, right, when, they, when you say you can't do it and then, right, you find – You do it, and then like, oh, great, you did it. So that wasn't a real complaint, you know. (laughs)
1: Like, yeah, no, it was. I'm just (laughs) savvy. I figured out how to do it, but really, in the long run, it should have been done differently. Um, I don't know. Are there is there any other things that you would like to share with our audience of people?
2: (laughs) I don't know. See it's so funny cuz right i to me right all this is just like whatever this is just what it is so i never know like what did i miss something people want to hear <laughs> this is just this is just what i
0: do Thank you for joining us for our very first We Shadows podcast. If you enjoyed it, please recommend it to your friends, colleagues, and students. We Shadows was created by Lieza Behrens, Rachel Lanto, and Anita Kelling. It was recorded over Zencaster and produced by Anita Kelling. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jay Kelsch. Special thanks goes out to the folks at Technicians for Change. We Shadows can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.